It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting the Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hey, everyone, and I am Captain Tim. All right, guys. Uh, two weeks in a row, back to back. Maybe we're getting back on track. Um, so appreciate it. And uh, we, we got some good stuff today. We both went fishing. I did something different that I haven't tried before. Um, we got a couple questions to discuss at the end. So we should have a full episode. Tim, you want to lead it off? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, want to hop right in and tell everyone how bad I failed at catching snapper uh, this week. I, I know last week we talked about uh, I was going to grab some live sardines and, and head out to Tampa Bay out to the ship channel and target some mangrove snapper and gag grouper. Um, well, those plans kind of fell through. Um, had, a, had a really light tide Saturday morning in the morning, uh, the last bit of the outgoing, and then it would slack off and then start coming in in between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., just a really good um, tide to target for that type of fishing in the ship channel. Well, ended up not being able to make it out that morning, um, had some family stuff, had to take care of, so the wife and I decided we'd try it in the afternoon. Well, in the afternoon, we had a, a screaming incoming tide uh, that lasted all the way to like six at night, so we went out, loaded it up with bait, super duper easy, um, got out to one of my favorite spots uh, right in the middle of Tampa Bay, kind of at the junction of the main ship channel where it meets up with the Port Tampa Bay ship channel. And we get anchored and we can't get a bait to the bottom to save our lives. It's just the hardest thing to get these baits down. Um, these snapper are very finicky. I find that you have to run really light weights, uh, really light leaders. I only use 20 pound tests when I'm fishing for these snapper just because they're so um, highly pressured. So it just wasn't working out, um, getting a lot of weeds flushing in. So even when the baits were getting close to the bottom, which mind you, we're in anywhere between 30 and 45 feet deep. So you think of Tampa Bay and you think shallow, maybe you're fishing an eight or 10 feet deep. This is on the edge of the ship channel, so you need to get your baits down a fair amount. Um, can't get any chum down to these fish, so it just it was not working out, and uh, I made the call to just pull the anchor and, and go do some snook fishing. So we got out of there having not caught any snapper. Um, I did get a couple bites. I don't know what they were. Um, I, I did lose uh, one rig to some rocks. I think I, I hooked a small grouper or something and he, and he rocked me up pretty quick, but it was, a, it was a failure. It did not go the way I wanted it to. I will blame the current on that one, but um, because we had such a nice high tide now and, and a lot of current movement, uh, I went and fished some docks that I normally don't target um, just because they're kind of hard for me to get to. Um, I got across a really shallow area to get back into these deep water docks that the, the current moves good. And um, it's like six or eight feet right off the edge of these docks. And there's nice grass flats all around. Very good spot to fish uh, if you have a, a, a nice shallow drafting flats boat. But it's hard for me and my deep V more offshore um, vessel to get back there. Uh, I was able to get back there barely. 
Um, and once I got back there, I was rewarded with some, some really nice snook. Um, the wife and I, she ended up not fishing. She was just relaxing. But uh, I think I caught five or six snook, three of them being right in the slot between 28 and 32 inches. So really, really nice snook. I usually catch snook that are under slot or well over slot. So catching them that were right in the, uh, the keep zone was pretty cool. Um, and seeing that there are some of those fish after such a, a terrible red tide that we had earlier in the season. Uh, snook season opened yesterday. So I was a couple days ahead of time. Um, not sure if I would have kept them anyways. I, I kind of have a, a hard time keeping snook. We've had so many different snook kill events, a bad, a cold snap in 2008 caused thousands and thousands to die. We've had multiple red tide events. So um, I have a ton of respect for snook. They are very tasty animals, but uh, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to be at the right place at the right time, um, catch one in season that's in slot, and then I'd have to make the determination. But where I sit now, I don't think I would have kept them even if they were in season. Yeah, that's uh, it sounds like a typical uh, lemons into lemonade, you know, like we always say, when one thing isn't working, adjust and try something else. Um, it's a real shame you could not get to those snapper, um, you know, mangrove snapper are some of my favorites. Um, and it sounds like a great spot. I'm hoping you get into them one of these days because I feel like you you've hyped up that spot a lot. And I think I've only I've only heard you tell me about actually getting them on there maybe once. So uh, fingers crossed that you're able to get that uh, next time. And one thing with that, I want to know how much weight we're talking. I think you said not much weight, but is that a quarter ounce? Is that an ounce? Um, you know, in that depth of water, I feel like it really depends. Um, and on the snook, that sounds uh, really awesome. Were you, were you freelining those? And what were you using for bait? Yeah, so I'll kind of answer these guys in order. Um, so what I like to use when I'm out at the ship channel, what, what I find that works best is, um, like I said, light liters, 20 pound test fluorocarbon, which when you're fishing around the, the rocky outcroppings and structure, that's really light to be trying to target um, grouper and snapper. Um, that's the only way you'll get them to bite, though, because of how much pressure there is. And for the weight, I like to use three eighths ounce jig heads. So I use jig heads for these uh, fish and I like to send down sardines and pinfish. On this day, I only was able to get sardines. They were everywhere. I made two casts on my cast net and got hundreds of them, more than I could even fish with. So um, I didn't wanna stay and try to get any pinfish and just end up killing a bunch of these sardines for no reason, trying to weed through them to get to the pinfish. But, and then when, when I went to the dock, I was using uh, the same 20 pound test leader. I didn't re-rig any of my leaders. Normally, if I was fishing for big snook I'd around structure, I'd probably bump it up to 30 pound test, but I, I didn't really feel like re-rigging all the rods I had. So I used a 20 pound test fluorocarbon um, with a one-aught J hook and I was using uh, really small sardines. The sardines I was getting were in like the three inch range. So they weren't any big horses. They were just small sardines, um, the size that anything will eat that swims for the most part. So I was using those and I was actually had more success throwing up to the docks with a really small float 
So I had a float about three feet above the sardine um, just because there's really thick grass underneath some of these docks. And the sardine will just dive straight into the grass if you free line them. And then they kind of get lost in there. So I find just a really light float to, to kind of keep them out of the grass really helps. Nice. Sounds like uh, you did some good work. And man, I would love to catch a couple snooks that size. I'm hoping uh, that there's still some around when I get to Miami. And I did just wanted to add while we're talking about this. It does sound like the mullet run is either in full swing or at the tail end. Um, as far as snook go in Miami, I know they were up in Jupiter a couple weeks ago. Um, and from what I've been seeing through my sources, it sounds like they're running pretty thick down there. Um, some of my sources sending me pics. So I'm jealous. Uh, I'm not down there catching snook myself, but I'll use that caveat. So I didn't do as much striper fishing this week. Um, I fished off the dock around my hotel uh, using gulp uh, bloodworms. Caught a couple porgies uh, doing that. I was really trying to catch Tautog. So I actually went up to the uh, Cape Cod ship channel um, and tried up there. I bought some live worms, but the current there was ridiculous. I think we misjudged when the low was uh, because we thought it was going to be right after sunrise, but I think it was right before because it was actually slower when we first got there right around 6 30 and then it just started cranking so early in the tide we saw a lot of people uh catching big bluefish um off the pier where we were fishing i personally wasn't able to get a bluefish but i i got a pretty good 14 inch tautog um but then the current just started to pick up so much i was just losing rigs one after another because it's so rocky and there's so much current. Um, I was trying to hold bottom, I couldn't. Um, and then we picked up a couple solid uh, two inch long black sea bass. So uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun little trip, but a little bit disappointed we couldn't do a little better at the Cape Cod Canal. I, I know I'd heard of some people getting some real big bass up there. Yeah, it seems like both of us uh, dealt with some current this last week and it was, it was uh troubling for us to not, not be able to do as well as we had hoped. Now, I know we've talked about Todd Tog in the past. Was this your first one you've caught or have you gotten into them before? I, you, you know, when I was living in New York before, I had a day where I got into the shorties a lot, but that was fishing pretty heavy tackle offshore um, in about 70, 80 feet of water. Um, and I've got one since I was fishing here, but it was pretty small. Uh, I think it was about seven, eight inches. So to keep, they have to be 16. And the one that I caught was probably 14 and a half, 15. So it was just below that keeper. And boy, I was surprised. It put up a solid run. I mean, every bit is hard a fighter inches for inches, those stripers. So it, it was a good fighting fish. I, I wish it would have been a little bit bigger. I was staying with some friends who have a home up there in Cape Cod. So it would have been nice to uh, throw that puppy in the fryer. So we, we were a little disappointed that it was too small, but uh, we still got some action and still had a good time. And, and you got that on worms, you said? Yeah, that was on a live bloodworm. But I know okay. traditionally people use crabs, and I was trying to use crabs up here. Um, and I got a couple bites. I got a couple stolen, but I, I wasn't able to. But I do know another guy um, – that was staying in my hotel I talked to. 
he said he caught five uh, keeper tautogs just fishing around the, the same area where I'm living. So I know they're around here. I think um, later this week, if I have some free time, uh, I'm going to try to uh, get some, just catch some crabs and get some tautogs. But the problem right now is, is it's high tide in the afternoon and you really need the low tide to catch those crabs. So unless I want to go buy crabs, um, you know, I have to wait a couple more days until the tide shifts a little more. Yeah, I, I think that's, that'll be really cool. Um, I know that we've talked about them, like I said, they're just really interesting fish and uh, to be able to go out and get some really close to where you're staying. Um, I wish you the best of luck. I, I can't wait to hear about uh, if you ever are able to get any of those crabs and target those guys. Uh, that seems neat. Oh, I did forget to say, I did catch one striper last week on a crab. Um, I dropped the crab down fishing for tautog and it was at night. And I think that the bass just thought the crab was a fish when I was moving it in the water. So uh, I, I did catch that one striper uh, while fishing for the tautogs. Yeah, I, I didn't know that striper ate crabs. That's a new one for me, but I'm not super informed on striped bass. But I, I don't think it was intentional from this bass's perspective, but uh, he bought it. And actually, the, the guy that I was with had a bass rod with a beetle spin and caught a huge one. Because when my fish came up, there was about five of them behind it, and he hadn't even had a chance to rig yet. So he threw out the beetle spin and, uh, you know, wasn't able to get it up past the seawall with 10 pound test and a beetle spin, but it was a big striper and it hit a little beetle spin. Huh. How about that? I, I remember using those beetle spin for little bluegills and stuff back growing up. So he, he must've been doing some little fishing beforehand and not really, uh, ready to go for those big stripers. Yeah, he wasn't ready, but he made the most of it. I just wish we would have had, we were fishing from a pretty high seawall. So we almost needed a pier net there. And, uh, you know, as soon as he tried to pull it out of the water with that little tackle, it was uh, popped right off. Yeah. But uh, on top of that, I did some trout fishing. I tried a couple days, uh, managed to get five trout in three trips, uh, four rainbows and a brook trout. Um, two of the rainbows and one of the brook trout were from uh, one single pond. I know around here that was stocked. Um, it's pretty heavily fished, but all the fish I caught were very, very good fish, you know, 12 to 14 inch brooks or a brook. And then uh, the rainbows were a similar size. So the brook was actually on a live worm and the rainbows were on small white jigs. So I was using some little crappie jigs that I got in Miami. So then um, when I went on Saturday, we actually went into uh, northern Rhode Island and some of the streams. Um, and I was actually waiting just in flip flops back in the streams and trying to uh, to get these rainbows. And in the streams, I caught one tiny one and then another probably 12 or 14 incher. But unlike the pond, there was a little bit of a lip on this dam and I didn't have my net. So it was kind of the same story with the stripers. You know, as soon as I pulled it out of the water, um, th those rainbows are are pretty sensitive. Their mouths must be pretty soft. So I feel like this weekend, I think I'm going to go try to find some trout or maybe even some salmon. I heard uh, there's a spot in Connecticut that's stocked with salmon. I'm going to make sure I bring my net with me. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you get into those salmon. Um, 
you know, that's something that, you know, that I've, I targeted hard up in Oregon last summer and struck out. So I know it's a different kind of salmon, but I wish you the best of luck there. And uh, that's a big brook trout. You got over a 12 inch brookie. That's a really nice brook. Um, I don't know if they get bigger, you know, the further north you go, but I know like a 10 inch brook down, down in North Carolina where I do a little fly fishing, that's, that's a monster. So is that, is that normal or did you just catch just a, a, a huge I think one? the state grows them big and then releases them big. That's the only thing that makes sense to me, especially with how recently they were stocked. It seems to me that the most obvious is that these are like three-year-old trout that have been fed at these state hatcheries and they're released big because that rainbow or those two rainbows and that brook that I caught in that pond that had been recently stocked by the state were all very thick, good-sized fish. So that's my theory. I don't know that for sure. Uh, one of the ones that I caught in the stream was much more like, you know, probably born in that stream. It was a six inch fish, more of a typical of what I've seen in North Carolina. Um, and then the other one that I got was uh, of a similar size. And that was in the same, it's called the Wood River. Um, and it's, it's a stream river. It's a pretty narrow river that runs a good ways through kind of like the, the backwoods of Northern Rhode Island. Now, are, are you eating any of these trout? Um, I am not, uh, I, I know a lot of people do. I, I just think they're such beautiful fish. I really wish I had a fly rod and I, I'm, I'm considering getting an ultralight this week, but, um, I just have nowhere to cook them. And I do think they're such beautiful fish. So I, I think, um, I, I have not been, I think if I'm going to eat anything, it's going to be the tautog, which is a type of wrasse, like a hogfish, you know, very similar white hogfish meat. I'd rather not uh, kill one of these trout in these little streams, even though I know a lot of people do do that. Yeah, um, I would be one of them. I love those little trout. They are beautiful. Um, I just, I don't really have an opportunity to go after them that often. So when I do, you know, the one or two times a year I'm able to, I, if they're in, if they're keeper and they're in within the regulations, I, I do keep them. They're just, they're so tasty. I, I love those little guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. On that note, we will bring up the fish of the week, the fish that I said I'm going to target this weekend, the Atlantic salmon Salmo Salar. Um, I know we've talked about some salmonids a little bit in the past. I'm not sure if we've gotten into the Atlantic salmon, but I'm, I'm going to talk specifically about the population in Connecticut. So Atlantic salmon are native to both sides of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And I believe even into Mediterranean, maybe even the Baltic Sea. So, so they're native to basically all the Atlantic drainages, um, you know, very big in Northern Europe, as far as Greenland, Iceland, they're, they're catching Atlantic salmon. Historically, they lived in the U.S. Uh, quite prominently, I believe down as far south as New Jersey. Um, but over the years, water quality, um, various issues. You really don't see those native Atlantic salmon there anymore. Um, now in the U.S., they're really only common, not even common, they're really only available as far south as Maine all the way up into Canada, where there are pockets of them in northern Canada where, where they are pretty prevalent. Um, but 
the the Atlantic salmon is a lot different than your Pacific salmon. It's in the genus Salmo, so that's with the brown trout. Um, a lot of times they look a lot like brown trout, and they're hard to tell the difference. Um, but yeah, they they run into the ocean like other salmon species. Um, they they don't get as big as most of your Pacific salmon, and they they also don't have the same. Um, life cycle as your Pacific salmon, where as soon as they come back into the river to spawn, they're done. They can come in and out a couple times. So this population in Connecticut, I guess it, it's been preserved by a single hatchery, and they're just now trying to uh, reintroduce them as of 2016 into two rivers in Connecticut to try to reestablish these historic populations. And so, yeah, I, I was just watching a couple of YouTubes about it, um, I had someone tell me about it, and, and it's something that I, I think I'm going to at least spend a couple hours chasing uh, on Saturday morning. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm uh, definitely jealous of that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Atlantic salmon. Um, I did just have a debate with someone the other day about Atlantic salmon, how they thought that buying Norwegian salmon at the store was a different salmon than one that would be caught on this side of the pond, but as they are all Atlantic salmon, um, that was a pretty short debate. But um, I, I know a lot more about the Pacific salmon, you know, the chums, the pinks, the cohos, chinooks, sockeyes, but um, I learned a little bit just now from what you said. I didn't know that the Atlantic guys were able to come in and out multiple times, unlike the Pacific salmon. So um, that's really the extent of what I know now. Um, never caught one. Uh, definitely would love to. Like I said, very jealous that you're up there doing that. Um, having never caught any salmon species, uh, it's definitely on the list to do. Yeah, I'm excited. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that my chances of getting them are great. If not, I'll probably maybe pull a couple rainbows out. So, uh, you know, it, it won't be a loss. And especially this time of year up here with the fall foliage, you know, I, I think at a minimum, it'll be a beautiful day out on the water. There you go. That's a great way to look at it. All right. So uh, two quick questions today. I had somebody post on Instagram. When are you going to make your next video? I apologize. I have a couple in the queue. I've gotten a couple good videos of these trout, but I just don't feel like I have enough yet to make a full video. So this weekend when I go salmon fishing, I'll make sure to get some more good videos of me in the stream and post that. And then uh, my trip from Jacksonville, I need to do it, but I've just been fishing so much in my free time. I haven't really sat down and that on top of football season, our Knowles had a nice win this weekend. So uh, I, I haven't sat down to edit videos. You know, it takes me a couple hours. Um, and, you know, I do like the one from Jacksonville in August. I think it's a good video. But, uh, yeah, it's just going into that. And I don't really have the time. Now, Tim, uh, you had someone ask you about surf fishing in the Tampa area? Yeah, I, uh, a listener reached out to me on Instagram, uh, Tony from Wisconsin. Hey, Tony. He uh, said he's, he's coming down to this area, um, the west coast of uh, Florida, probably in early December or so. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be hunting during that time. But um, he was he was looking to do a little surf fishing off the beach. So, you know, me not having a whole lot of surf experience, I do fish off the beach um, for snook in the spring and summertime, but haven't really done a whole lot of surf fishing, especially in the winter. 
Um, didn't know if we could discuss a little bit and try to give him some uh, insights. Uh, I did tell him that he should probably try using shrimp and, you know, the, the rods he was going to bring were pretty substantial, like big surf rods. I said, maybe lighten it up, try shrimp off the beach. Um, sheep's head will be spawning around that time and you could get in some schools of sheep's head or whiting. But besides that, uh, Tanner, do you have any advice? I know this isn't your side of the coast, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I'd like to hook Tony up with a little more than catch some sheep's head or some whiting. Yeah, you know, my um, most of my Marco Island, I guess that's the majority of the beach fishing I've done around there. And that was in the summer. So I don't know how applicable, obviously, the, the snook site fishing in the summer is incredible if you're willing to put the time in looking for them. In the winter, I believe on the West Coast, the snook are primarily up in the creeks and canals. Yep. So you're not going to see those snook on the beach like that. Um I think Tim has it right. Shrimp, small hooks, you know, wherever you're surf fishing, there's always a chance you're going to come across a pompano, a whiting, um, even a, a croaker or something like that. And maybe even sea trout, uh, depending on how far north you go. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's always worth a try. And I'm sure if you use, you know, maybe some live shrimp, maybe some little pieces of shrimp, you're going to find something out there. Definitely. And, and you hit the nail on the head that the snook have retreated back uh, into their, their um, winter zones, the backwater creeks and canals, staying warm back there. And, um, you know, for, for Tony, I would also recommend there's a lot of productive passes with jetties around. Um, maybe take a walk down the beach or, or drive down the beach to some public parking and try some of those live shrimp around there. Maybe get in some mangrove snapper or I know that, you know, all times of the year, you never know what's going to be running in and out of those deep water passes. I, I know that people catch redfish there and, and Tanner mentioned trout. I know that's actually a good time, wintertime uh, uh, trout spot. So, you know, give it a try, report back. I, you know, I'm sorry, I can't be much more help, but uh, I, I think the fishery is in a good spot now um, off the beach. Currently, you should be able to, to do okay. Well, all right, guys, remember to like and subscribe. Um, give us a good review on Apple and send us your questions. We're, we're at 45, so I'm hoping to nail down a guest for episode 50. Um, I'd like to get a new guest. I, I have a feeling, you know, I fished with our buddy Luke. I know he'd probably be interested in coming on again. Um, I've had a couple other people reach out to me that I think might be interested, so we're still at 45. That's still five more episodes to go, but I, I want to do something big for 50, Tim. So just keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to do some kind of, cause we just hit 3000 uh, total streams. So I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good notch on our belt. And uh, yeah, 50, 50 episodes is that next big uh, goalpost. Yeah, that's cool. 50 already. Um, I, I know that. We can get a guest here. Well, let's get, let's get it done. Uh, I'm excited, and you know, I think I may have mentioned it last week, but you're up there catching those trout. I'm going to be in North Carolina in a few weeks catching trout, so going to diversify a little bit and um, see what we can do. All right, sounds good, Tim. I'll catch you next week. All right, thanks for listening, everybody.